Difficult conversations should not always be an ugly experience. We often fail to realize the apparent difficulty that has made communication the bane of relationships. There are just too many mechanisms to consider. For instance, overly suppressed or displayed emotions could turn a simple altercation into months and years of conflicts. Since conversations are the only way we assume as the gateway into the minds of other people, there is no way we can avoid them. Avoiding them will do as much damage as guessing the thoughts of others. Having said that, the authors of this book have broken down the ambiguity of difficult conversations. They have explicitly illustrated components of every difficult conversation, the stages that could either deteriorate or amplify communication, and the viable way to confront and diffuse uneasy discussions. While describing difficult discussions as an everyday challenge, the authors likened uncomfortable conversation to holding a hand grenade. If you are too scared to hurt other people's feelings, you could hold on to an unpinned grenade. Alternatively, you could throw it tactfully or emotionlessly without remorse. Regardless of the way you choose to go about this, casualties are inevitable. The art of conversation is the art of hearing as well as of being heard, tilde William Hazlitt. However, if you look closely at every ugly experience you have had while engaging in a difficult conversation, like requesting for a pay rise, taking your children out of their stance to do the complete opposite of your instructions, firing an employee, and so on, you would discover that they all obey the same structure. Decoding this structure is vital to how much control you have in these situations. In this book, the author revealed that there are three conversations embedded in every difficult conversation. The first, which is the what happened conversation, relates to the initial bickering by the opposing parties on the true source of the disagreement. Here, there is an intense or subtle discussion on what could have been done better, who is to blame, what is the hidden truth in every word spoken. The second conversation is the feelings conversation where we dissect our true feelings, decide to hide them, confront them, or expose them. The identity conversation, which is the last, is an internal debate on the consequences of the disagreement or the outcome of the difficult discussion. In this stage, we examine the impacts of both our words and reactions, as well as those of the second party in the conversation, on our image, future, and well-being. Arguments stop us from exploring other people's side of the story. Behind an argument. Arguing in itself is not the problem, as every human has a unique way of seeing things. From time to time, there is no way our ideas won't clash with others, we argue over the best place to shop, the best movie, the right color to paint the room. However, arguments in the complicated conversation come with anxiety, fear, anger, and resentment, because the argument resonates topics that we have invested a chunk of our emotions into. You get spooked by the mere fact that people are blind to the truth of your argument. You ask, why is John or Sarah hell-bent on doing or believing the wrong thing? You tag these people as selfish, stubborn, irrational, and controlling because they choose to contradict what you have come to see as the truth or the right way of doing things. It is clear that the individual who persecutes a man, his brother, because he is not of the same opinion, is a monster, tilde Voltaire. One thing that as you note, however, is that you are always the right one, that your idea is the logical solution, and anyone that does not see things the way you do is wrong. This tendency suggests that your ideas and beliefs are born out of past experiences that have taught you to do things a certain way. The same is true for the individual that relies on a school of thought that contradicts yours. As such, there is no one side to an argument. Both parties are basing their arguments on a vantage point that validates their actions. In other words, both parties are right. Another reason why arguments are unavoidable is that everyone interprets events differently.
We all have a unique way of choosing important information, discarding the irrelevant ones, and coming to unique conclusions based on the information fixated on. This unique way of interpretation is also prevalent in situations where the two opposing sides of the argument have access to the same piece of information. We also arrive at different conclusions because there is always a bit of bias introduced to our event interpreting processes. In light of all these varying factors, every difficult discussion has elements that we have chosen to remain blind to. To avoid arguing blindly, you must choose to see things from other people's perception, listen to and understand their side of the story before drawing your conclusion. Once you adopt this, you will start seeing that people tend to reach a compromise when other people acknowledge and understand their arguments. Assumptions entangle intentions and impacts. Assumptions are an integral part of difficult conversations as they often determine the outcome of the conversation. Having said that, it is imperative to understand that assumptions are baseless hypothesis on the true intentions for someone else's actions. Since their words or behaviors hurt us, we tend to assume that they intentionally want to hurt us. By so doing, we villainize them. Yet, there is no evidence pointing to the validity of our assumptions other than the impact of their actions on our self-esteem or self-interest. What if that person's true intentions were pure or he or she had other motives complex than the good and evil tag that we often label as the standard to differentiate intentions? Intentions are nothing but the true motivation for an action, which would remain a mystery since we cannot access other people's thoughts. Once you understand this, you will come to see assumptions as baseless hypotheses. Unfortunately, there is no way we wouldn't hypothesize the motivation for actions that impact us badly. The trick, as shown in this book, is to remember that there is little truth to your assumptions until you attempt to inquire the truth. However, accusing rather than inquiring would aggravate the situation, the natural response to an accusation is defense or counterattacks. If you are the one at the receiving end of an accusation, you should note that every accusation contains elements of an attack on your intentions and the impact of your actions. Choosing to resolve the accusation and not acknowledging the consequences of your actions would prolong such hostility. Therefore, you must accept that your words or actions, regardless of how good your intentions were, have negatively affected the other person's feelings. The search for a scapegoat is the easiest of all hunting expeditions. Tilda Dwight D. Eisenhower. Likewise, an open approach should also govern discussions that would normally lead to a blame game. Individual A is certain that he or he is right, and so it is only fair that individual B should carry the blame. This discussion framework is what the authors called the blame frame, and it does little to resolve or find the real source of the problem. People that are more concerned about the culprit would overlook the broader scope of the issue, which is the most important detail. Rather than blame your secretary for her sloppiness, you should instead focus on the string of events that might have caused the screw-up. You should also identify the ways you could have contributed to her actions. Were you too hard on her, or do you make it difficult for her to ask for questions that would make her work easier? Once you discover your subtle contributions to the problem, it becomes easier to relate to other people's plight or shortcomings. As such, you would probably go easy on the blame game and embrace a contribution system, which highlights all the factors influencing the role of every participant and the viable solution to the problem. Feelings are an integral part of a difficult conversation. Feelings are vital to the well-being of relationships, and they also come to play when two or more people are looking to talk about delicate topics. While this a given, we often hide from our feelings because it could either make us vulnerable or hurt other people. 
Similarly, those that are comfortable about tabling their emotions do so at the expense of their relationships. Although hiding from the emotions that might motivate our words or actions is the path many choose, it is never the right approach to resolving an altercation. You must have noticed that canned feelings eventually spew to the surface in an ugly or embarrassing way. It could spur you to respond with rage to a non-issue. In other cases, bottling up while engaging in a difficult conversation could blind you to the real problem. Or it could push you to engage in the blame frame, instead of the contribution system. To avoid this trope, it is imperative that you tactically share your feelings. Before this, it is essential that you fully understand the spectrum of your feelings and how it contributes to the issue at hand. Unexpressed emotions will never die. They are buried alive and will come forth later in uglier ways. Tilda Sigmund Freud. Exploring the spectrum of your feelings entails that you discover the implicit rules that govern your thoughts. Here, it is important that you come to grasp with the emotional footprint, which determines the type of feelings you are comfortable acknowledging and sharing. Also, you must realize that it is normal for good people to brood over bad thoughts. You must also value your feelings as much as you value other people's feelings. Furthermore, it is advantageous that you know that attributions, judgments, and accusations are not your feelings. They are blinders. They hide the real truth and make us focus on external factors, rather than the inward factors that would inevitably damage our relationships. You could sidestep this pitfall by channeling the urge to blame to a more promising strategy of finding clues that would show you what you are feeling. Nonetheless, once you discover the underlying thoughts fueling a difficult discussion, understand that you could change your perception by seeing things differently. Next, express your feelings articulately, while assuring the listener that what you feel is based on your perception, and it does not auto-undermines their feelings. More importantly, in the process of expressing your feelings, avoid passing judgments as opposed to acknowledging that your feelings are just one side of the whole story. Therefore, the authors advise that you use the words, I feel, when sharing the rudimentary of your thoughts. Identity conversation and its many quakes. We all have unique identities that we have used to gauge what people think of us and how they see us. Therefore, we often tend to ensure that nothing, not even our actions or words, tarnishes our established identity. As a result, we fixate on the revelations, bordering on our competence, our worthiness, and character, that would emerge. You might ask, will my will to fight for my goal infer that I am self-servicing, hence contradicting the unselfish image that you have always tried to portray? And so, you keep quiet and avoid discussing the importance of your goal. More so, an attack on your personality would naturally spur you to choose a defensive strategy, or you could choose to return the favor. Also, feedback that attacks our identity could leave us vulnerable, and this might trigger a denial or exaggeration phase. People that are in denial ignore negative feedback. They believe that such notions are nothing but bias comments that should not define who they are. On the other hand, people that tend to exaggerate the relevance of feedback would accept criticism to a fault. And this will encourage them to see themselves through the critical view of other people. Neither blame or praise yourself, tilde Plutarch. You could resolve these sorts of identity quakes by first acknowledging that you have identity issues. Secondly, you must come to terms with the diversified nature of your identity. There is no such thing as a notion that perfectly boxes the entirety of your identity. You have a myriad of feelings that have led you on a unique path. As such, it is the diversity of your emotional footprint that surfaces as your identity. 
Bearing this in mind, you will start accepting the propensity to make mistakes from time to time, that your intentions are not as simple as they seem, and that your inactions and actions have contributed to the problem you are about to discuss. As such, it becomes easier to engage in difficult conversations, because you are no more trying to control people's perception. Likewise, you become prepared for responses that would normally come as an attack on your identity. Also, you should find a balance between when to engage in a conversation that makes you question your identity and when to take a step back. What we fail to understand most times is that identity conversations are not peculiar to us. The other person is also grappling with his or her identity issue, and this might be the reason why they are not backing down. In light of this, it is essential that you identify when sharing your identity conflicts will ease the tension of the difficult conversation and when its details are not relevant to the other person. From there, you become familiar with the recurring themes of your past experiences with difficult conversations and how to sidestep the trappings associated with them. By so doing, you will learn when to engage in a conversation, when to let go, and when to use actions as a substitute for spoken words. How do you begin a difficult conversation? Once you have figured out that it is important that you initiate a discussing a sensitive topic, it is vital that you set things in motion the right way. The authors noted that starting a difficult conversation is the most stressful aspect of the conundrum. Nailing this stage effortlessly would make the subsequent parts of the conversation smooth and effective. However, starting a conversation is not as easy as it seems. Your first sentence could send the entire discussion spiraling out of control, especially if you start with your perception. As such, the author advised that you start the conversation from the third story. In other words, initiate the discussion by assuming the position of a mediator. Secondly, acknowledge the varying views that have complicated the issue, while enumerating that both parties should work together to resolve the problem. This approach does not necessarily mean that you understand the other person's intentions. In contrast, this approach is viable because it tells the other person that you are aware that your story is not the prevailing factor in the conversation. In a scenario where you are not the initiator of the conversation, or if your counterpart had initiated the discussion by attacking your identity, you could respond by utilizing the third-person story to diffuse the tension. The third story is an effective way of making the process of finding solutions a joint task. Here, imposing your will is no longer an option, rather the only way to engage the attention of all parties involved is to simply invite them to partake in the conversation. Although solving the problem is the goal, there is no way you will achieve your goal without acknowledging the other person's vantage point. At this juncture, the next strategy is listening, listen to their views, what they feel happened, and the intent that might have spurred their actions. If we don't believe in freedom of expression for people we despise, we don't believe in it at all, tilde Noam Chomsky. Regardless of how easy this might sound, the art of listening is not a walk in the park. Listening entails that you channel your feelings into a curious mode. You know that you are hurt, but you have managed to root your internal conflict to focus on the motivation of the aggressor. It is, however, more viable that you divulge your thoughts as politely as possible when you are finding it difficult to switch to a curious mode. One of the advantages of listening is that people tend to afford you the same courtesy. Having said that, the art of listening entails three skills, inquiry, paraphrasing, and acknowledgement. The skill of inquiry would help you know how to ask the important questions while avoiding those that might come out as sarcastic statements. Paraphrasing, on the other hand, shows that you are attentive. Your paraphrased version of what the other person has stated would assure him or her that you understand them. 
The last and perhaps the most important skill, acknowledgement, helps you establish that you care about the person's arguments, that it is normal for them to feel that way. Nonetheless, note that acknowledging someone else's arguments does not mean that the person is right. Therefore, acknowledgement does not make your story weak neither does it give other people leverage over the outcome of the conversation. Learn how to express yourself. When it comes to expressing yourself while being engaged in a difficult conversation, it is crucial that you understand that you deserve to be heard. Understanding this important fact will help you realize that the price of keeping quiet is costlier, irrespective of the substantial risk that expressing yourself entails. In most cases, it is not the external factors that push you to embrace silence. You could sabotage yourself by questioning the validity of your right to speak. Likewise, failure to express yourself in a relationship will likely stifle the dynamics of the relationship. You should, however, note that expressing oneself has its challenges. Only those that have cultivated the skill have effectively portrayed their thoughts less provocatively. The first thing that this entails is that you start expressing yourself by pinpointing on the most important thing, what matters most to you. Secondly, you should explicitly say what you mean, rather than dilly-dallying or using subtexts or subliminal messages. Thirdly, in your quest to make yourself understood, do not oversimplify your thoughts or intentions. To achieve this, you should never mask your conclusion as the truth, remember that there are two sides to every story. In contrast, you could portray your conclusion by identifying the things that might have spurred your insight. More importantly, you should always ensure that you are understood. While you or the other person is expressing the important facts that could have complicated the situation, it is imperative that you ensure that the conversation maintains the logical path to proffering a viable solution. As such, you must lead the conversation by reframing every statement, which could derail the whole process. When words become unclear, I shall focus with photographs. When images become inadequate, I shall be content with silence. Tilda Ansel Adams. For instance, if the other person is hell-bent on blaming you, you could counter this by relying on the contribution system where you acknowledge what the person is feeling and still assert your thoughts. You could also make known the dynamics of the conversation by revealing the actions or the words that might stifle the effectiveness of the discourse. After both parties have expressed their thoughts, the next step is the resolution phase. The first thing to note here is that reaching a compromise would require that you and the person find a meeting point. It is essential that you address missing information that could change the outlook of the conversation, and incorporate the power of persuasion, reveal the things that could persuade you to reach a compromise, and ask for the things that could convince them to reconsider their decision. If this does not work, both parties could invent other options that might diffuse the issue. This approach may require brainstorming. Nevertheless, if all your attempts to resolve hits a brick wall, you could consider the choices that both arguments avail. You could analyze the consequences of adhering to what you believe is right, or you could reluctantly accept the other person's argument. Conclusion You have little power over what people think of you or the way they judge your actions. One of the things that you can control is how you respond. You could stoke an already tense situation, or you could learn to listen and react appropriately to the pressures that come with engaging in a difficult conversation. Try this, acknowledge that what you believe to be other people's intentions are nothing but assumptions. With this in mind, you should approach difficult conversations knowing fully well that the other person has their side of the story to tell.